you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. I'm in the New King James Version, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you a little bit today, sharing a message that I feel God has for this body of believers. So let me start. Um, as you know, uh, the book of Acts is actually short for Acts of the Apostles. That's the actual name of the book. And it is uh, kind of the chronicalization of the, the, uh, the, the beginning of the church, right? And how the church is going to expand miracles, um, you know, people becoming martyrs, people standing up for God in the midst of certain destruction, uh, persecution, that kind of thing. A lot of that happened in the book of Acts. It's a great book. If you haven't had a chance to read it or if you need a refresher, it's always good to look and kind of see where it all started, right? And what, what God was trying to accomplish. And so um, Acts chapter uh, 2, which we're starting in, um, of course, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? The prophet Joel and everything. And, and then it moves on into the expanding of the church. And so that's kind of where we're at. That's a little bit of, of context. So Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... Um, so they would go to the temple, and they would pray, and they would have church, right? And then it says, and breaking bread from house to house. So there's two kind of wings of the spiritual movement that was going on. It was in the temple, and it was in houses. It said that they ate their food with gladness, simplicity, or oneness of heart, and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I mean, this was the launch of the church. Multiple souls were coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and that they had missed the Messiah and even that, that they could have this newfound uh, transformational faith that is happening rather than something built on just religious practices. Pretty cool. So for the next couple moments, I'd like to talk to you about this. Talk, I'd like to talk to you about the topic of house to house, house to house, and what that meant back then and how that can be applied today. So let's pray. Precious Father, I thank you for this time that we've been able to come together. Pray, Lord, that you just speak through me, um, through your word, that it would uh, ignite something inside of each one of us. Uh, we honor you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Give someone a high five. Say, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I didn't hear anybody say that. You have to, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> the, your neighbor is probably like, I don't think they care. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> there's different times and, and seasons that we go through a decluttering phase in our house. And um, we are currently in one of those now. That means that um, closets cabinets, the junk drawer, and all the other drawers, um, whole rooms, basements, attics, right, and even the garage. In our household, it is usually Amy that starts us on this journey. I have to say I'm not always too pleased with it. 
Um, why? Because I have had that mug for a very long time, and it has become family to me, okay? And uh, I become familiar, and I like familiar things around me, not to the extent of hoarding, of course, um, but useful things, right? For example, tools. Honestly, can you ever have enough tools? No. Gentlemen, thank you. That was your cue. Um, one decluttering phase, I was commissioned uh, to go to the garage. Uh, it's my space, and I was told to take a whack at downsizing it. And, uh, of course, there was some pushback for, for sure on my part because I believe that everything in my garage is useful. <laughs> even the wood that was there before I got there. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Gentlemen, you got to help me out a little bit here. Um, <laughs> thank you, John. <laughs> He's like, yep. Um, I feel like I can preach about value. I can see value in anything. Come on, come on now, right? I hope, oh, my goodness, the stone that the builders rejected. Come on, right? <laughs> oh, that pottery. God is a potter. <laughs> I'm the clay. <laughs> okay, all right, sorry. Right, I can see value in a variety of different things. Nevertheless, to the garage I went. Uh, I realize that me going first has a greater chance of retaining value in the garage, if you get what I'm saying, because Amy thinks we only need, listen, it's going to blow your mind, and I'm not trying to slam my wife right now, but listen, she thinks one hammer per household, no. right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, are you saying that you, we can't have a hammer down in the basement and in the mudroom, right? And in the garage? And in the junk drawer. And in my car. She thinks one is enough. Help me through that. We might need marriage counseling. Okay. <laughs> so I was looking through uh, my car cleaning uh, equipment and box. And, and I came across a very special waxing kit that I remember uh, getting at State Fair. Does anybody else have that one? <laughs> Go with me, $19.99, $19.99, that one, right? Has these little beads in the, in the wax that's, okay. Anyway, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I open it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to think about my cars and how they need to be waxed. I'm like, for sure, I am not getting rid of that. So I put that off to the side. Uh, you know, kind of a gleeful thing. I, I can't wait to wax cars. You know, bring them on over. Come on, it's going to be fun, right? Um, so as I'm kind of rummaging through the rest of the stuff, I see another bag that looks exactly like that bag. I'm like, what happened? Was it a two for one when I went to state fair? I mean, because that seems wise, right? Well, then I realized as I opened up that it looked exactly like the context of that bag, and I realized that that was a purchase from another year. And this was a purchase from another year. At that moment, it dawned on me that maybe I have a problem. <laughs> I need more cars. Amen. I continued throughout, and, and unfortunately... 
I realize that decluttering is still a thing that's needed in our household. Uh, it's amazing how much stuff can fit in an 84-inch by 28-inch by 24-inch closet. Do you all have that same closet? It's kind of like the clown car where the clowns keep coming out. I can't believe how much fits in those. I think decluttering is the thing. I mean, I think it's okay. I think there's times that we have to look in our house and we need to kind of reassess. We, we need to reprioritize. We need to reorganize, right? And if we aren't careful, we can fill our houses with unnecessary, redundant items that just take up space in our house. Amen. Which is kind of a picture of our life at times. We can allow things that have a place that do not really matter when it comes to significant value given. I guess I'm dealing with the question is what is valuable in our lives? And what are some things that should be there or focused on as well as perhaps what should be removed to make room for valuable items, attitudes, tools, or focuses that add value in our lives? See, it is interesting to me that in the very beginning of the launch of the church, it was about what was happening in the houses. Are you with me? Houses with families on fire for Jesus Christ was building a powerful culture. A powerful culture of a transforming church. That's what was happening in the houses that we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Love was expanding. Attitudes were being corrected. Miracles were taking place. Conversions were happening in houses, at kitchen tables. Addictions, come on, were being discarded in houses in the early church. Lives were being righted. Husbands and wives were learning a new kind of love for each other. Families were being meant right. You get what I'm saying? And the power of God was being felt in those houses. That's our opening scripture. That's what we're talking about. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. So continually daily with one accord in the temple, one part, right? And breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This was an exuberant, joyful, celebratory era of the church. Everybody say, my house. It all had to do with our houses, from house to house, that there were these incremental investments. Home to home, family to family, faith to faith, to tell the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God, 
who was made flesh and dwelt among us, as John chapter 1, verse 14 says. I just want you to know that our house can be that. Our house can be filled with that power, that mystique, and, and the anointing of God. Our house can be that. I, I think that's the intention, yep. is that our house would be filled with that. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes. You know, even if you read Romans, and by the way, I just want you to know the epistles, Romans all the way through Jude, the epistles, they're actually known for helping you grow in Christ and walk in the Lord. That's what they're for, right? They're actually letters to churches. They're letters to individuals that we can utilize to help grow in knowing with God. And, and if you read at the end of Romans, Paul is literally sending his regards to families or, or households. Check this out. Greet Apelles. Approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Astrobulus. Greet Herodon, my countrymen. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena um, who labored, who have labored with the Lord. Greet the beloved Parasus who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord and his mother. My, can, can you imagine? Greet Yadonarchek. People would be having the same problems that I'm having reading their names. Okay? Right? Greet the Vanderboons. Greet the Sorensons. Greet the Osbornes. You get it, right? Can you imagine being named as one of the households that had a church house? Listen, I'm not talking about church structure and that kind of thing. I'm talking about being one of the faithful. Right? I'm talking about doing something and seeing power happening in my house. Listen, I want that. I want the power of God to feel very comfortable in my house. I don't want just the sign that says that we will serve the Lord. I want it to be the actual lifeblood of what is in my house. See, Romans was actually written to talk about the good news of Christ. This is what he said in the very beginning. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. This was the focus the focus was that it was is that we understood the gospel of Jesus Christ and that through that salvation would come. This was the letter. This is what he's talking about. That the just shall live by faith. <clears throat> or or in Paul's letter to Philemon with the intent to show how attitudes and relationships can be transformed by God, by Christ, and use the illustration of ominous. The runaway slave. Here's the story. Here's how it worked. So Ominous, he went out and, and, and he ran away from his master, who Philemon was, and Paul was sitting back. And here's what, here's what Paul says. Paul says, hey, listen, be gentle, and I want you to know something. He's a disciple of Christ now. He's a brother of Christ. 
See, I want you to know that there's no classes when we, when we are in, in the world, there's classes, right? You're a CEO or, or you, live in, you live in a van down by the river, right? We, we look at different components there and, and we kind of allot people in different places. But when you come into Christ, you're just another brother. Come on, right? And you're another sister, right? Now, please... Forgive me for all the bad things that I've said about my sister and my brother that is dysfunctional. I'm talking about the, the, you know, the, the family of God. That's different. Right? There's something about brotherhood. There's something about, as he says in Philemon chapter 1 verse 2, to the beloved Afi. <laughs> Amen. Our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. It's the importance of brotherhood, dependability, the, the, the elevating of relationships in our houses. So you can see in the early startup of the church what was happening in the homes had a, a big part in the further expansion of the church and its impact on society. So what is happening what is happening from house to house matters for the kingdom. Amen. What's happening in my house matters for the kingdom. Amen. What's happening in your house matters for the kingdom. Amen. I want what happens in our houses to matter for advancing and growing and expanding the kingdom of God. See, all this incremental investments that, that led to this exponential expansion of conversions and miracles and revelation all happened from house to house. So, so what was so valuable that was happening? I mean, you see the output. You see the revelations and the conversions and the miracles and people getting healed and, and, and they're putting all their money together and feeding all the poor and, and taking care of babies that are discarded, and right? We see the output, but what's... What's happening in the houses? Well, let's skip back a little bit. Still in Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now, I'm, I'm in the New Living Translation because I, I, I like the clarity that, that brings to this. Watch this. It says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All those believers... We're apostolic. Now listen, we're not a denomination. Do you hear me? This is not about denomination. That's not what it is. It's that they all devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching. The Bible, uh, King James Version says apostolic doctrine. And to fellowship. Now I like that. I like the sound of fellowship. That's, that's amazing. Come on, right? Yeah. Getting together, having a good time, whooping up on Dave, uh, Dave, uh, Dave uh, you know that Dave, Dave number one. This is, this is so people online don't know who I'm trashing right now. In bags, pickleball, I'm just kidding. He's always killing me in it. 
right? Fellowship. It's putting together. It's growing together. It's building. And then it says, so this is happening in the house and also to sharing meals. Amen. I know that's apostolic right now, right? I want, you know, um, when we first came here to LifePoint, um, 11 years ago, I can't believe it. Um, when we first came here, we decided that we, we just needed more food. Now, I, we just, that's just how it was. And so I would literally walk around and find out what people would make, and I would ask them to bring it, and then we would all have food and coffee as you walk in the door. I mean, all right? Is that an amazing church or what? It was. I used to be 85 pounds. Just kidding. That is a joke. I'm sorry. It's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That was my cheat day. Sundays were my cheat days. Um, there's something about sitting and sharing, sharing something that you make for someone, right? Or someone makes something for you. There's something about that. So sharing your meals. And, and, and then he gives clarity in the NLT version. It says, including the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is communion. We're going to take communion together in a little bit. And then it says also this, and to prayer. So four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and prayer. This is what was valuable in the house. They built the church by an emphasis on these four things. Recently, I was talking with a group of individuals who went to a conference, and, and one quoted the pastor, one of the pastors in the conference, and it said this. Ready? God forbid people come to church looking for God and find only you. Listen, I'll give clarity. I get it. A church is made up of people. I get it. We're the bride of Christ, right? We're the set apart. I get all that. But this cannot be personality driven. We can't be building our own little kingdoms. In the, you get what I'm saying? It can't be that. That's not what it's supposed to be. I, I'm coming to church because I want to feel God. And you know what tears me? You know what tears me is when people come to church. Or, or they leave the church and they leave because of something happening in the church or a, a person said this or, or whatever those things are. That, that, that tears me inside. That I recognize that sometimes even people go to the extent that, that they look at people in a fallen world and they attribute that that is how God is. Does that make sense? That's, that's why we always have to point to Christ. It, it can't be personality driven. It, it's got to be all about Christ. He, he's got to be the authority. He, he's got to be the, the way maker, right? I thought this was quite profound in the context of putting the emphasis on Christ rather than personalities. We're here for God. And people are not a substitute for knowing God and experiencing his presence. We are building our lives and hope on Christ. Currently, as you may know, we are preparing to move to another building. Our building is for sale. We got it up. We're hoping that somebody would buy this and, uh, or rent it. 
And um, we're currently waiting for the architectural designs of the new building at 400 Bayview Road. Um, we're waiting for those to come back. And once they come back, then we can get a building permit. And then we can start doing the demo and you can get all your aggression out. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> right? I know. I know. Um, and then after that, we're hoping to be in by the 1st of December. In Jesus' name. Right? Amen. <laughs> I remember a fort that my dad built, um, and it was really sturdy. I mean, it actually had this walkway around it. Um, it had, like, this post that came out. Um, Kristen, you know, we threw you off multiple times. <laughs> she turned it into her. She did. She actually did. She actually put all of her dolls in there. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> we thought, thought they were all witches and decided to burn them all. It's exciting. Um, I digress. My bad. Um, so it was solid, and you could jump on it. You could jump off of it. You could do a lot of things. We, we did much things. And I decided if my dad can build it, I can build it, right? And so I'm like, we're, we're going to do this. This is going to be amazing. And so I just would go into the garage, and I'd find pieces of wood, and then I would Tetris this... <laughs> I know, some of you raising your eyebrows. Chill, I'm still alive. It's all good. So, and so are my brother and sister, right? So um, we, I put all these things together, and what I basically did is I took any kind of a board, and I would put it on top until I didn't see light. That was how, I don't think that's up to spec. I, I, I don't think so. Um, and, and whenever it would rain, the water would just pour through it. It was horrible. Um, it wasn't that sturdy. So once... My son was about seven, eight-ish. Um, I decided I was going to build him a fort. And I learned my lesson from the old one, and I called my dad. My dad came over, and we built this strong one. And what I'm saying is, is what's happening in those houses builds a strong church. It builds a strong temple experience, right? I just heard, well, I heard a little bit ago, but that some of the young people are coming every Saturday night, 7 o'clock to pray for these services. Amen. What happens in the house builds a stronger church. I take church seriously. I take ministries serious. Because we are building. We are creating a, a place where people can meet God and, and trying to limit distractions as best as we can. We preach from the word of God as contextually consistent as possible. We, we know the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 verse 13 says. It says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. God sees it all. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give account that's how important church is. Imagine the power in your homes. Huh. Moving from house to house throughout our communities. 
Imagine the revival of that community. Imagine conversions happening at the kitchen tables. Miracles in the living rooms. Revelations coming in the garages. Imagine. See, I'm asking what is valuable that you can't live without in your houses. Well, the answer is Christ as the center. T.L. Osborne once told the story of a possible conversation with Aquila in Ephesus from the book of Acts. I want you to hear this. Good evening, Aquila. We understand you're a member of the church here. Could we come in and visit for a while? Sure, come on in. If you don't mind, we would like for you to tell us about the way the churches here in Asia Minor carry on their soul-winning program. We read that you have been a member of the Church of Corinth, of Rome, and, and now you're in Ephesus. You should be very qualified to tell us about evangelism in the New Testament church. If you don't mind, we'd like to visit your church while we're here. She says, well, sit down. You're already in church. It meets in my home. You don't have a church building? What's a church building? No, I guess we don't. Tell me, Aquila, what is your church doing to evangelize Ephesus? What are you doing to reach the city with the gospel? Here's her reply, according to T.L. Osborne. Oh, we already evangelize Ephesus. Every person in the city clearly understands the gospel. We just visited every home in the city. That's the way the church of Jerusalem first evangelized the city. The disciples there evangelized the entire city of Jerusalem in a very short time. All the other churches in Asia Minor were followed that example. Now imagine. House to house. The impact, the incremental investments, the exponential explosion of conversions and miracles and revelations. Maybe it's time to do some reorganization. Maybe evaluating or elevating the valuable things to take the place of redundant, tired, useless items, attitudes, practices that are in our homes. There was this article by the Washington Post in December of 2017. And the article was uh, labeled, Americans Love Hoarding Junk. And it said this, according to the survey, old clothing, seasonal items such as beach chairs, Christmas decorations, old footwear make up for most of the clutter. The main reason respondents hold on to unnecessary items is thinking they'll end up needing it in the future. 57% keep things for sentimental reasons and a third procrastinate throwing out items they no longer need. The state of the home has been so bad for some of the one in five, 19%, have been told by a friend or loved one that they're a hoarder. And a third report that the mess of useless items has caused an argument. Now, this isn't a talk on hoarding or even decluttering. But what, the question is, what is in your house? What are the values? What are the attitudes, the practices that we have uh, and allowed to have a place in our homes? That's the topic today. 
Sometimes, somewhere, we allowed things that didn't matter take premium space in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? Would you stand with me for a second? I have some questions for you. Some questions for you to consider. And Is your house, whether you are a young person, whether you are an adult, whatever you are, where your boat is, your home, is your, is your house a place where faith rather than fear is discussed? Is it a place where displays of anger and, and, and manipulation and control are rare or are they abundant? Is it a place where forgiveness is celebrated or is it neglected? Is it a place where our preferences and comfort become the center of discussion? Is it a place where Christ has more authority than the mom or the dad or you in your home? What is, what has the priority? Is it, is it filling our appetites, our cravings, or is it participating in the mission? I wonder what would begin to happen if our homes were cleaned and prepared for the harvest. And I, I use the word harvest, meaning that God is growing his will right in front of us. And we can take part in pushing his will forward, allowing it to expand. We can participate in building the kingdom from house to house. Each of our houses become a sanctuary for others to learn and experience the presence of God. And then we can come to the temple together, right? We can worship, we can work, we can fulfill God's will as the body of believers. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to store up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Christ is coming back. He's coming. Now this leads us to one of the things that they did from house to house together. They participated in the Lord's Supper. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about communion. When we do communion, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. At least that's the command, that we should do it in remembrance of Jesus. And what I'm talking about in remembrance of Jesus, remembering his sacrifice and his teaching and his emphasis on a life change, right? His emphasis on truth. His emphasis on his authority and his emphasis on him being the hope of our lives. That's what communion is about in remembering. So what I'd like you to do is if you could take out your little communion cup. If you do not have one, just raise your hand. We will get one to you. This is a little bit complicated. There are two things that we need to remove. Two coverings. First one covers the bread. Or the wafer. 
The second one removes the cover for the juice that we'll be drinking together. Does everybody have an element? Elements? Now this is an open communion. If you believe in Jesus Christ, take it with us. We're sharing in a meal together right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 25 is what we're going to go from. And it says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples or it's being referenced by Paul. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they all took eat. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they drank of the cup. I would like to open up this altar. If you want to pray at your seat, I'll dismiss you in a little bit. But let's just take a moment with God right now. Can we do that? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we open ourselves to you.